Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingas and Dan Moriarty. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast. We are live on Blab for episode 28, and we're very happy to be joined tonight by Michelle Matson who is the Director of Social Media Services for T-Mobile. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Dan Moriarty. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Thanks, Dan. How are you? Doing awesome. I'm good. I don't <laughs> love video chat, but I'm okay. I got Elvis in the back to help me out. Fantastic. That's awesome. Well, we're very happy to have you, Michelle. We know that you're doing some great work at T-Mobile. So maybe you can start by just telling us a little bit about your role and how you got to T-Mobile, and then we'll get into your team and some of the other stuff. Cool. So I've been with T-Mobile 16 years, not to age myself at all, but it's a long time. And about four years ago, we had a Facebook page and a Twitter handle that just needed some customer service love. So we jumped into a pilot mode and quickly realized this was the space to be. And so in the last four years, I've led the team to strategic and really operational success and now lead a team of, oh my gosh, 145. Wow. So let me just go back to something. So this means you started when you were eight, right? If I'm doing my math right? Yeah. Okay, good. We'll go with that. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about this team. That's a pretty giant team. Yeah, so growth was pretty small year over year. It was like seven and then 17. And then we ended 2014 with 40 people. And by the middle of last year, I had a team of well over 100. The reason that our team is so large is that we do have a 24 by 7 operation. And we support all of the brand engagement. So like Love Favorite. And then we have a really robust customer service program. So if you hit us up on social, regardless of your issue, we're going to take it offline. We're going to handle you and hopefully get you tweeting positively about our brand. And then y'all know our uh, CEO has lots of followers. So we engage there when there's a customer service issue. And gosh, this thing has just really taken off. People understand that we're there. We're quickly responding and we're really good at the experience part of it as well. So there we have a lot of repeat customers. It's, It's pretty cool to watch it blow up. And it's also you know, it gives me a few gray hairs. Hopefully you can't see them because <laughs> social is a volatile environment. So we've gotten really good at being ready for the planned events and unplanned. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Michelle, how does your team, so you've got 145 agents 24-7. How many are on at any given point? Are they all working out of one location? How do you staff an operation like that? Yeah, so that's a good question. Staffing has been a challenge because... As you know, the customer service industry has been around for, what, 40-some years. And the call centers are really good at that. But when you when you take it into an offline environment where you're, you're talking about customer service being done asynchronously, so how many messages back and forth do you and I have before we truly resolve your issue, the peaks and the valleys of volume that we see, we've had to get really good at kind of a, an FTE staffing plan, if you will. So we've taken some of the best practices out of the care centers, and we've basically created our own formula to provide that 24 by 7 support. The beauty of what we're doing is virtual. So I have a presence in six of our 17 U.S. call centers. Recently, super stoked about the idea I sold to put people in Hawaii. Uh, so if you think about 
Hawaii. Oh, so they were playing. Burning yeah. So we have, you know, folks there who, who help for overnight. And then when they're going to sleep and kind of wrapping up, it works really nicely with our presence on the East Coast. I mean, how so how many people do you have active at any given point? Like what's the max? What's the minimum? Oh, yeah. You know, it depends. We we staff all the way down to the interval, the hourly interval. So, you know, at times I can have 50 agents on. Excuse me. If we have, you know, an unplanned event, I could have my whole team on. At one point last year, this bad boy came out. What we had my whole team. For the people who are listening on uh, iTunes, can you tell us what okay. you're talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about and the Apple product. So the iPhone. At one point, we had my whole staff in, including me. Um, and we had flipped an entire call center. So that's how big and how important this is to T-Mobile. It's amazing. That's awesome. So uh, lots of things to talk about, but you mentioned something earlier about engaging with people who are just uh, like love commenting and also engaging with uh, customer service inquiries. Can you talk a little bit about how you divide those or prioritize them or do you assign different people to them? Just tell us how that works. Yeah, so what's really interesting is about two years ago, I think it was really easy to kind of divide the work and conquer. But what's interesting and what's morphed over time for us is how people attach themselves to like a marketing initiative, right? So it's what they're seeing in their Twitter feed or their Facebook feed. And they're just like, oh, I see this cool, you know, GS7 promo. I'm going to tell you that my coverage sucks. So, you know, we prioritize all of the work the same in that we have specific metrics and response time goals that we want to meet. And so we leverage an, a really cool platform. I don't know if I'm able to say those types of things here, but you are my buddy, my buddy Johnny all about it. So we're able to leverage technology to help keep us, you know, streamlined and really focused on the customer experience, whether it's a like love favorite, because that's just as important as holy crap, you have this monstrosity of an issue and we need to fix it. So you saying you just you're straight working through things in the order they come in, regardless of whether it's a like love favorite or a my phone is broken, I hate you. Yeah. Oh, okay. First in, first out. And do you do you have to? Tr I mean, so individuals that are doing that are the same people. So you're training them on customer service and kind of social engagement best practices at the same time. Yeah. And what skill set do you find more important to hire for slash harder to train? I don't know. That's our question to answer because historically I've had employees out of the care centers and they've done really well. Mm -hmm. I was nervous to go into Hawaii market because they, we have a retail presence there, but we also took people who'd never worked for our brand before who had done things like Uber advocacy and were really social media specialists. I wouldn't say one is stronger than the other, but I think you have to be very careful to select folks who can do the like, love, favorite and the general fun engagement and really be, I don't know, leverage the tone of voice of your brand, right? Because not everyone is a feisty, uncarrier brand the way that we are. But you also have to have that level of customer experience and expertise there because you guys, we know this, right? We work in this industry. If you're coming to us on social and you're really pissed off because we screwed up your bill, we have to fix that. And so it's really important that we have folks with the skill to do that or take, you know, a network issue and, and figure out what's happening there. So I think that both skills are, are vitally important. And so we're really hardcore in, in how we hire and, and train folks. So hopefully that answered the question. It, it did. I, I want to probe a little deeper. You know, sure. One thing Dan and I like to ask about is, is kind of the 
natural skill set, if you will, that you're looking for when hiring agents. And I, and I think you're probably the person with the biggest team that we've spoken to on this podcast. So I'd love to hear, and I know I'm sure across the 145, there's a, there's a breadth of skill sets, but what are kind of like three or four of the key attributes you look for when hiring for the team? So this may sound really psycho, but number one, you better have good grammar. Like no, don't tweet a weird, like, please don't tweet a weird version of like, you, your, they, their, like that drives me woo, nuts. So writing is key, right? It's funny. We'll get resumes sometimes and I'm like, do you know what job you're applying for? Okay. Pass. So those are key. But I also, I really love some of the folks, especially that came out of our East and now Hawaii regions that we hired off the street. Some of the spunk that came out of their writing examples was so non-customer service feeling to me that I was like, wow, these people are money, right? And we can leverage that skill across our broader customer service group to really go after how do you respond to a customer who's being a smart ass and match that without really stepping out of bounds. And I think that's a, an interesting craft to have. So I think those are kind of the top two. And then, of course, like I said, do these people, do they demonstrate a passion for customer experience? Because that's the really, I work for the Uncarrier and we're all, we all believe Magenta. We're very passionate about customers and changing the industry. So if folks don't, you know, exude that in an interview or put customers first in, in, in the process, then it's, it's a hard sell, right? So I think those are probably the top three. Michelle, would you say that, T-Mobile as a brand is competing on customer service. Do you think this is something that lets your brand stand out for what is a very competitive field? Well, I think it's a part of what we're doing, right? So if you look at our journey as a brand over the last two years, I mean, we are kind of (laughs) the badasses in the business taking out the painful things like contracts and gosh, I'm heading to Canada tomorrow. How cool that I'm not going to roam. You know what I'm saying? Mobile without borders, music freedom, binge on. And so I think that with all of the change that we've made, the fact that we have a kick-ass customer service organization and a retail team that, you know, provides that kind of, you know, activation onboarding experience. And then we've got this really awesome social presence. I think it just complements everything that we're doing and it keeps us extremely relevant and extremely competitive in the market. So you're talking about the social presence as well, and you mentioned that your CEO is really active. How do you interact? Because you're, you're managing the service side. So how do you ma- interact with the marketing side and also with the whims of your CEO on social media? We are all, I like to call us the trifecta, and I wish I had a visual, but if you think about three circles, I don't have three hands, so we'll just pop this one down here. But thanks. <laughs> this is kind of, yeah. So if you think about maybe a Venn diagram, right? I mean, we don't operate without each other. And so we have PR, we have marketing, we have my team. And so we meet weekly, daily. I mean, yeah, we've got to know what's coming down the pike. And then we've got to figure out if we have something go sideways, how do we react across all of those channels? You know, and John's been a phenomenal advocate for us, right? I mean, he really is his own Twitter like he's reading his own tweets, he's responding. He's really le- leveraged us to, you know, at mention at T-Mobile help to say, hey, let let my team of experts go and fix this for you. And so it's nice that he's he's given us the trust and and really unleashed us to go after and fix these things, right? Because he needs an army to support the the change he's making in the industry. Does he give you a heads up when he's going to do something? Can we say controversial? Something uncarrier like? Do you know it's coming or? Not always. Not always. Sometimes. Okay. 
He's, I mean, he's the CEO of our company, right? I mean, I imagine if I were a CEO and I could do what I wanted, I would do what I want. So with that, the, the beauty is we've gotten really good at, at how to react. <laughs> That's a, a positive spin on it for sure. So you, you mentioned at the start, you started four years ago with a Facebook page and a Twitter handle. We'd love to hear kind of how that, that platform footprint's evolved. Like, where are you guys now? What do you see growing? What's not growing? What are you not on yet that you want to be on soon? Yeah, so I think initially it was a lot of customer service cleanup, right? And then it was like, okay, we've kind of cleaned up the BS. And it's not BS, but it was just a, it was unanswered, right? So it was like just these pages of hate. We used to call them the walls of hate. And once we got in and cleaned that up and, and started to really turn around the sentiment there, we got really good at strategizing with marketing and PR about how we can leverage these to go out and do big campaigns. And I'm sure you guys, well, I hope that you guys have seen us do things like we did with the Super Bowl this last year with Steve Harvey and Drake, right? I mean, we're able to leverage our media and our campaign management on these platforms because we have the support in place to come after anything that is outside of the realm of supporting the campaign. So I think once we were able to clean all those things up and really have a, a clear path of, okay, well, how do we get, how do we leverage this as an advertising platform? Um, and we've continued, you know, the second part of your question I think is interesting because that's where my marketing and PR partners really play critical roles is that channel strategy. The good news for us is that the technology we're leveraging on my side of the house enables us to plug those things in, right? So let's just say Snapchat is the big next big thing. And I know we're making investments there, right? Or at least looking at them. We can just go and be like, okay, cool. We're ready to support and literally plug and play. So I think it's really important for people to look at technology and leverage it in ways that allow you to be agile, flexible, and, and move quickly. So what, what have you added recently? Are you on Messenger? Are you looking at WhatsApp? So I can't get into like too much detail, right? Because that's a lot of those things are proprietary. But I will tell you that we're doing some cool things with Twitter and Facebook. Um, we have a really innovative and fun roadmap that we're working on concurrently with them and our vendor partners this year. So definitely more to come there. And, and Snapchat? You, meant, you threw that one out there. Is that, are you, are you, yeah, I think... You know, as we meet, it's kind of like, I think we're exploring. I don't know that we understand fully what that looks like yet, but it's been thrown out. Like, how do we leverage this, right? I mean, what a cool platform to be like in the moment and, and really be, I don't know, giving customers an uncarrier view of whatever is happening. Sure. Would, that, would that be a change for you? So, I mean, I know this is theoretical at this point, but if you go to Snapchat route, your agents right now, are they, are they in an ability to have a face-to-face -face video type conversation with, with your with your oh. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think anytime that you consider a face to face or even, you know, we've we've toyed with this idea of personalization. I think that as an organization, you have to be careful to protect your people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's like a whole other that's like a legal and HR conversation about how would we do that? How would we make it OK for us to put our faces out there? And it's more about safety and security. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, do we use the Snapchat filter? Um, make ourselves look silly. I, I don't know, but that's um, something we're definitely digging into. You know, we had a guest on a couple episodes ago, David Basulto from Iographer, and he is the first organization that we had seen that's really using Snapchat. And the way that he uses it is probably similar to how you guys might. He answers questions when people have a problem with a device and they can actually go on Snapchat and, and take pictures and show video of what's going on. Wow. 
he told the story of a guy that had plugged in the cords, it had reversed the cords on one of the devices. And he really would not have been able to figure that out had he not seen it. So that was a pretty cool example. And I would imagine that if you guys have customers with device-related problems, that it might be a good channel for it. I'm going to have to reach out to him because that's a really cool idea. Be happy to make the introduction. Now, you also mentioned before, you sort of said it in passing about taking people offline. I'm wondering if you can sort of share with us your strategy for, for answering online versus offline and sort of what's the cutoff. Yeah. So when I say offline, I really just mean direct message or private message. We learned in 2014 that taking people really offline and into email is like a no, no. I mean, when I hear about brands doing that, I'm kind of like, wow, that's so 2000 late. I'm seriously right. Because I think about myself as a user. And if I'm tweeting the win Las Vegas, I love that they tweet me back and I'm on channel. Right. But with, if you push me to an email address, I have ADD. So I'm going to be like, yeah, bye. And I, I, I don't have time. Right. That's why we brought the technology on that we did. It allows us to have private conversation because, you know, both, to both of you, Dan, if you tweeted T-Mobile and we needed to access your account information, we have to do that in a secure way. Right. And so when I say offline, it's it's where we say, hey, let's learn a little bit more about you. Let's do this in a secure forum. We leverage on channel, right? And we just do it kind of behind the scenes. And then, you know, we go public back when customers are now happy or they've, and we don't do that to like, we don't do that proactively, but typically what will happen is a rep will go back and forth, back and forth. And then the customer will go back and go public and be like, wow, T-Mobile just saved the day. That kicked ass. And and that's how we know we're, we're doing the right thing. And just, just to make some clarity around that, when you said on-channel, are you effectively saying you're taking them from public Twitter to DM to solve it and then back to public Twitter? Okay, so when you say offline, you really just mean hidden, got you? Yep, I just mean in a private setting. Got you, okay, cool. Good clarification. Um, and then I really, I'm fascinated by these agents and, and the scale at which you have them. I'm assuming that you're hiring on a fairly regular basis, which probably means you're training and onboarding on a fairly regular basis. I'd love to hear two things. One, what your onboarding training looks like and how you how you take, as you put it earlier, someone off the street and get them to be the voice of T-Mobile in a public setting. And then I'd love to know what your training is on an ongoing basis as things like Twitter and their, their DM buttons, as those sorts of things are rolling out. How regularly are you doing trainings? how formal are they, just anything you could share that would be fascinating. Yeah, I think the the beauty for me is that I, I'm well positioned in the organization and I have a phenomenal group of peers who support training and development for all of customer service and I roll into customer service. So, you know, we're very easily able to apply just general new hire training for T-Mobile employees. We were able to just finesse the modules really for social and we're really, really diligent and rigorous about ongoing training, whether it's, you know, device related or we've made a change to our billing system. But also we work heavily with our vendor partners to internally within my own organization, my own team, kind of T-Force is what you call us, to do the on-channel changes like, oh, this new, you know, deep link for DM that went live on Twitter a week and a half ago for my people to, to digest that information and push it back out. So it's a constant, like my head spins sometimes when I think about, you know, the number of people that we're bringing on and how good we've gotten at onboarding and, you know, system permissions. And it's just like, 
it's literally insane. And I'm, I'm writing another point of view right now on another round of people we're getting ready to hire. And I'm just like, what, how is this a thing? Right? What's your on app? So you hire me off the street. How soon am I responding to tweets? We'll just say approximately two months. Oh, wow. And for that two months, what am I doing? You're learning about the uncarrier, man. Wow. Right? I mean, you're learning about the uncarrier and then you're learning all of the internal systems that we use. And and we're not just going to put you out there in a public facing environment without really being set up for success. And and to that two months, you're full time, you're you're effectively doing your full time hours, just learning the brands, the process, the technologies, all of that sort of stuff. Yep. It's a decent round. Yeah. It's a Herculean effort, as I like to call it. What was that, sorry? It's a Herculean effort. Yeah. So we're going to get to uh, audience questions in a second, and we do have a couple that are queued up. But Dan and I have a couple more questions for you. We always do like to chat a little bit about metrics, and um, you don't have to share numbers with us, but sort of talk to us a little bit about what it is that you track, the, the KPIs that you're reporting upwards, What's important? So, you know, for us, I think what's really important, number one, is experience. That's critical to our business. Resolution, I mean, excuse me, response times are critical. And I love to see when our customer surveys come back and they're like, whoa, I did not expect you to respond so quickly Um, because we've gotten this bad boy well under an hour. And I'm not going to tell you specifically, but well under an hour and in sometimes very real time. And then I think we're really focused on effort. Right. I mean, think about being on your device or being at home with your laptop and you're tweeting. I mean, it should be fairly effortless in what we're asking you to do. And so we're getting really good at different points of view on how to measure things like that. Cool. So we have another message. Uh, Boardman, if you can start your question with slash Q, we'll put it up on the screen in just a second. Appreciate that. Michelle, one of the questions that we always like to ask is if you can share with us a memorable interaction or two that just kind of sticks out. I know you have thousands and thousands of interactions, but there's always those ones that you share around the office or that are particularly memorable. And just wondering if you would share one of those with us. Oh, my gosh. You guys are putting me on the spot here. We have so many. Well, one that's memorable for me, and I guess I'll just toot my own horn for a second, and I say this really without ego, but I don't lead by you guys go and do it. I like to, to lead with my team. So, for example, we're in the Super Bowl war room, and we do those. It's a thing. We all sit in a room, and we support what's going on together. And I was really proud of myself for engaging and responding. A customer had given us a big shout-out for busting Verizon's balls. And I wrote this tweet back and I was like, you know, that's how we roll ball busters. Like it, they're just mad because we have bigger balls than they do. And I was like, guys, should I send this? Oh my God. Like, oh my God. And then we ended up just deciding I should send it because I'm the boss and whatever. And it, you know, it was cool to see that one response where we got to be really in character and do it together. Like people were yelling in the room, you're getting retweeted, you're getting retweeted, you're getting retweeted. And so you know, Verizon did go out with that campaign and they did do a lot of stuff and we came back at them and it was fun to be a part of it. And customers really resonate when we get to have fun back. So that's memorable. And it's memorable for me because we did it together. Literally, there were 20 of my team members in a room and we worked on it side by side. That's awesome. 
that definitely is memorable. And when you can start to come together around an event, something like the Super Bowl, that's pretty fun. I, I actually do remember tweeting about your commercial because if I recall, number one, he was on a different commercial as well. And number two, I couldn't remember his name, but I knew he was the Family Feud guy. And so I ended up at mentioning Family Feud and they retweeted it. And then I learned, I remembered later what his name was. Anyway, I want to run to a question from the audience. I'm going to put it up on the screen here, see if this works so that you can see it. So uh, Brian Rouse was asking about when you were talking about your large staff, about whether um, any of them are uh, telecommuters or whether they're all in a call center. At this point, they're all in call centers. The only exception to that is my Hawaii crew, but they're actually in a business office that we have there in Oahu. So yes, they're all attached to a call center. And we really think that's important because... They need to be immersed in the uncarrier environment, and all of our call centers are fairly lit up in magenta. And Elvisy. And Elvis, I know. He's really cute. And then Chris Strub, who's going to join us live in a second, had a question about last week we were interviewing Jay Bear from Hug Your Haters, and he was talking about answering every question in every channel every time, which it sounds like you guys already do. But he also talked about this theory of only answering a question twice and not uh, going back and forth endlessly with people. And so Chris's question is, how long will you keep a conversation going with somebody either on the positive side where it's, hey, I love you. We love you, too. I love you. We love you, too. Or uh, somebody that is just trashing you that, you know, you need to go away. Yeah. So I think that we handle these case by case. Right. I mean, I like to think that when I look at our queue and I'm in there kind of daily, kind of just spot checking what's happening, we're good at touching every customer. But if you're going to come at us with like, you know, blazing middle fingers and like craziness that we just cannot reason with you on, we're not going to take the risk there. And we do have a lot of fanboys, which is super cool, and fangirls that will go back and forth and the we love you, we love you too. And so I think my team has gotten really good at understanding when you can kind of draw the line and maybe just favorite a, a third or a fourth response back and then kind of push it out. But where we don't kind of stop with is when customers really need an issue resolved. I think that's important because the majority of our volume is customer service. And so we have to be very diligent in going out and making sure that we hit every issue every time and that no one gets left behind. Good answer. Good answer. All right. One more from the audience. Then I think Dan will wrap up and then we have, uh, we'll, have we'll see if anybody wants to come on um, live and ask the question via video. So the question we always like to end with, obviously you've been doing this four years. Most people who come into this weren't doing social care, you know, five years ago. So we always like to ask, what that you know now do you wish you knew four years ago when you got started? Wow. All the things. All the I, things. I mean, yeah. And it's, I think here's the challenge, right? And this is what I love about my job. I think we have a good handle on it. But the, the fun part for me is there's always something new. There's always a new challenge. And, and so, you know, my young self four years ago, would I want to know that my team was going to be 145 and growing? Probably not. Uh -huh. Right? And I say that because I probably would have been a little overwhelmed and maybe been like, oh, my God, what am I signing up for? But I think what's cool about this space is like, you know, I could walk in tomorrow and it could be like a totally new thing that we've got to go after and solve. And so I like to say we're building the plane as we're flying it. That's what I thrive in. I thrive in that type of a, uh, and I think the people I've hired, the, the folks that support T-Force, my leadership team, they're freaking beasts. 
you know, we run this thing a million miles a minute all the time. So I don't know. I don't know that I have the perfect answer for you there. I think building I like that, while flying is a pretty good answer. I think being okay with that is, uh, is very important. Yeah. yeah. If you're not okay with that, I don't think you're cut out to work in social media mm-hmm. to be quite honest. I don't think you're cut out to work in the future, to be honest. <laughs> Agreed. All right, we do have uh, an audience question from uh, Chris Strub. So if he would like to jump on and grab a seat. Friend of the podcast, social do-gooder, Chris Strub. How are you tonight, Chris? What's going on, guys? Michelle, very nice to meet you. D&D, good to see you again. Good to see you, sir. I'm a big fan of the podcast here. And uh, so, Michelle, my, my question for you is... Uh, and you, I'm sure you saw it 20 minutes ago when I put it in the comments, but, you know, with John's active role on social media, you know, the question comes up quite frequently. What is the, the, the ideal role for a CEO on social media? Obviously, John is one of the more active in the world. Does that benefit the business? And do you think other CEOs should follow his lead more? Or do you think sometimes it can be a little overwhelming? And listen to your answer uh, offline. Thanks so much to uh, D&D for letting me come on. Thanks, Chris. You the man. So that's a great question. And and I think that the reason that John is successful, and now granted, this is my my opinion, right? Not T-Mobile's opinion, but my personal opinion is John pulls this off because he's John, right? He's like the unicorn of CEOs. And, you know, I think that anyone who's running a customer service organization, whether they're a C-level or an executive within a company, would be silly not to take a page out of his playbook. When he says things like, I love Twitter so damn much because I get so much customer feedback, like, hello, like, that's not something John just, like, he just capitalized on a forum where people are really talking about things that are broken or things that we do well. And I think it's silly that more people haven't caught on, you know, CEOs or not. I mean, you could apply this to really any industry in the customer service space, right? So... But John is also, like I said, he's a bit of a unicorn in that regard. And John does John. So I applaud and I love that I work for such a badass. I wish there were more badasses like him. I think the customer service experience world that we're all consumers of would be a better place. Again, just my my opinion. I think I think it helps with John that he he does seem to be the brand. Some CEOs that disconnect. Yes. The brand stands for what the CEO stands for. With T-Mobile, it seems to be. And I've often wondered how much of that is uh, is marketing, how much of that is a front, and how much is that genuinely him. It's him. It is him. Like, I was in a meeting a couple weeks ago, and he walked by, and he had, like, his T-Mobile sweatsuit on. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not – it's just not uncommon for – like, he is the brand. He He's magenta, and, that, you know, that's – I think that speaks volumes about – who we are and why we're in the position that we're at in today. Was, was he a marketer historically? What, what was his background to get him to see? Uh... I think he's, um, if I recall, finance. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, the first photo I saw of him when he became our CEO, he was in a suit, a collared shirt and a tie. And I was like, huh, okay. And then he st- starts showing up in like leather jackets with T-Mobile logos and you know, I think he did um, an interview, gosh, probably at some point over the last year in one of our earnings calls where someone said, like, you know, is this a front? And he's like, maybe this is who I've always been. Right. And I, I, I really think that like this is who he's always been. He's been more casual and like tell like it is. And 
really nice complement to his personality in our brand. All right. Well, we are talking with Michelle Matson, who is the director of social media services for T-Mobile. You can find her on Twitter at mm underscore m a t t s o n. And of course, you can find her, all of her 145 employees at T-Mobile Help if you have any questions. Anybody else have a question from the audience? We're going to throw our last chance. Um, otherwise, Michelle, I really think one of the things that I've learned about you from this podcast is that you and a number of other employees there uh, tend to believe Magenta, that there's a real loyalty to the brand. And I know that comes out in uh, in social media, but I'm just wondering if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, you stayed there 16 years. We already established you started when you were eight. But you know, what made you stay and, and why is it yeah. such a good place to work? For me personally, you know, I started when I was a kid. I literally was like 19 years old. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went to work for this brand who believed in me as a person and gave me an opportunity to grow as a leader. I mean, I've had so much invested in me as a person that, you know, it continues to make me want to be better and invest back into what's been put, you know, on my lap. It's It's been a gift. And the other part that I love about T-Mobile is that um, I'm a person, right? I mean, I see John and I see the executives and I'm not just the chick, the person, the number running their social program. It's like, oh, hey, Michelle. And that's the environment we work in, you know, and we work hard, we play hard. And I think at the end of the day, we're, we're a big family. We all support each other. And I just can't say enough great things about this brand and and we're really the carrier internally as well it's it's just a genuine culture thing that's awesome well it's very clear that you live your brand which is great uh hey we have another audience question from michael haynes welcome michael how are you doing tonight i'm incredible how are you uh we're doing great do you have a question for michelle yeah i do i am a candidate no, um, I know that as a disabled individual, uh, people do not know how to interact with the physically challenged category. How does T-Mobile handle the challenged individual? That's a great question. Uh, so we wanted to know how T-Mobile handles questions and inquiries from disabled individuals. Great question. So we have a program designed to, well, I can't get into the nitty gritty, of course, a lot of that's proprietary, but if you were to call in or you were to visit a store or you were to tweet us, we have a different process that we would follow to make sure that we could meet your needs and that we could communicate effectively. And I actually sit on one of our many, I'm trying to think, we have tons of boards at T-Mobile. We have Women's Leadership Network and diversity um, and inclusion teams. And I actually sit on one and consult for this topic. How do we provide service and the next level of service for folks who may need a different way to communicate? So while I can't get into a lot of details for this forum, we have a pretty solid process there. And I'd be happy to help offline as well. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Focus on Customer Service podcast. We really appreciate Michelle from T-Mobile joining us. And as always, if you have a brand that you'd like to see on our podcast, please tweet at either Dan or me and use our hashtag FOCS for Focus on Customer Service. Tell us the brands 
that like T-Mobile are kicking ass in customer service and social media, and we'd love to have them on as well. Thanks so much for joining us, Michelle. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Michelle. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag FOCS and follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at DGingas and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.